You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 198 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on January 14th. I'm most of Vince. That's Raj. How you doing, man? Better than you. And how often do I get to say that? It kind of feels good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of joy at your discomfort. <laughs> nice to know I can bring that to you, You still Raj. have that. Yeah. So just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how uh, happy we were for 2014 and all the stuff that we liked. And Image decided uh, this past week, hey, forget 2014, let's show you all your new favorite comics. And they had their big Image Expo uh, showing off a lot of the new stuff that's going to be coming out from them soon. And I just wanted to run over a few of the things we saw because, man, I am excited. When you say we, you mean you. I've been knee-deep in websites. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, first of all, uh, we knew this was coming. The uh, former Moon Knight team, Warren Ellis, Declan Shalvey, Jordi Belair, are bringing us Injection. Still don't know a whole lot about what the story, what we can expect from that, but they showed off a few pages of artwork and it's gorgeous. We have Monstrous, a new series coming from Marjorie Liu and uh, artist Sana Takeda. It's been a long time since I've read something from Marjorie Liu. I liked a lot of the stuff she did for Marvel and this is her jumping into uh, kind of her wheelhouse of sort of like a fantasy world with a female main character, stuff that she really writes well. So uh, it's been a while since I read something from her, and I don't think I've ever read anything, any of her original works. So really interested in that. We also have A.D. After Death, written by Scott Snyder, drawn by Jeff Lemire. I don't know if I really need to tell anybody more I was going to say sold. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really delving into uh, some weird territory where uh, mankind has, as they say, found a cure for death and what happens to the world after that. Moving on, we have Sons of the Devil. So it's coming from uh, Brian Buccoletto, who is uh, the former writer of Flash. He's currently doing uh, Detective Comics. Liked what he did on Flash. Again, I haven't read any of his original work, so I'm interested to see what he can do here. Uh, interestingly enough, it was actually a project that was backed and funded on Kickstarter. And it did so well, Image went, hey, we'll publish that for you. <laughs> awesome. We also finally got our announcement for Pretty Deadly Volume 2. Of course, uh, Emma Rios, Kelly Sudaconic. It's going to be picking up several years after Volume 1 and uh, taking place right smack in the middle of World War One. Cool. So they're they're fast forwarding the storyline, but you can do that when your characters are immortal. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And some other fun stuff. Uh, finally announced uh, that Phonogram Volume Three from uh, Kieran Gill and Jamie McKelvey will be coming out this year. Again, not a personal fan, but I know a lot of people are really happy about that. And Chips Darsky just stole the show. <laughs> Gillen and McKelvey are out there talking and he just walks out in the middle of their speech and like boots them off the stage <laughs> and sets up the stupid little banner he's been going around with for the past year at all like the various cons for Zadarskon. <laughs> there was a comics convention in Toronto. Guy lives in Toronto and he wasn't even invited to it. <laughs> so he set up a table with this little banner across the street <laughs> and had his own convention. <laughs> But he brought it out and announced his new book, Howard the Duck. Oh, God. 
no, he legitimately is writing Howard the Duck for Marvel. <laughs> and it's then he announced his new image series, Gary the Duck. Oh, God. <laughs> which Eric Stephenson, the publisher of Image, went, what are you doing? You're going to get us sued. So no, he actually did announce an actual new series, Koptara, which is like a sci-fi comedy. So again, really interested to see what can come out of that. Your new favorite book, Roger, I Hate Fairyland. Written by Scotty Young, art by Jean-Francois <gasps> Below, who did a lot of the Rocket Raccoon issues. As Scotty said, he will still be writing Rocket Raccoon for Marvel. Better. But uh, this is basically his twisted fairy tales. I saw a screenshot of something for that, and it was like, yeah, sold immediately. I, exactly. What, what more do you need to know? I just the, I need to pick up a frame now. Just mm-hmm. let it come out that sucker on the wall. We also have coming Paper Girls, written by Brian K. Vaughn, art by Cliff Chang. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, of course, Saga. Cliff Chang did the recent run on Wonder Woman. Those are two creators I'm really interested to see in their collaboration. It's like a coming-of-age story uh, from some teenage girls who deliver newspapers. And it looks like it's set uh, kind of back in the 80s, since a Sony Walkman is front and center on the promotional <laughs> arts. <laughs> uh, also from Brian K. Vaughn, We Stand Guard. The cover is awesome, but you're not looking at it because you don't have the link. <laughs> just going to read you the description. I'm, I'm taking from the tone that the link is in the show notes, and I should have seen it. Yes. In my defense, again, I've been knee-deep in sights, just not that one. <laughs> <laughs> it is a new miniseries set 100 years in the future when Canadian freedom fighter... Uh, mm-hmm, when Canadian freedom fighter resists... It's written wrong. That's why I can't <laughs> pronounce it. When Canadian freedom fighters resist an invasion by giant robots from the United States of America. It's bound to happen. You know that. Well, here's your comic about it. All right. So, yeah, it looks like Image had a great year last year and they're keeping the throttle down going forward. Speaking of Image last year, guess what this month's Humble Bundle is? Oh, is it? Yes, the Humble Image Comics Bundle 2. Because they did one of these last year with uh, Image Expo. For pay what you want, literally whatever you want, but don't be a jerk. Don't pay a dollar. (laughs) You get the Image Expo 2015 preview, which is previews of all the stuff I just talked about. uh, Pages, artwork, interviews, etc., etc. And you get the first volumes of Alex and Ada, Deadly Class... Cowl, which actually I haven't read, so I'm really looking forward to checking that one out. Elephant Men 2260, Minimum Wage, God Hates Astronauts, Genius, and Satellite Sam. Do they have the... Oh, sorry. You were probably just about to say what I was going to (laughs) ask. If you pay more than the average, (laughs) which is currently $15, you get the first 10 issues of the Manhattan Projects. Again, first five issues of The Wicked and the Divine, first six issues of The Fuse, first five issues of Velvet, and Sex Criminals. You only get the first issue, but it just came out a couple months ago, of Witches. You get volume 22 of The Walking Dead. Enjoy that one. You get the first issue of The Fade Out, again, one that just came out. First five issues of Nailbiter, first seven issues of Stray Bullets, first four issues of Southern Bastards, and the first six issues of Shudder. Jesus. If you then go up to the $18 tier, which, which at that point, on, why not? From what I just described, that's got to be worth 18 bucks. <laughs> you get the entire first compendium of The Walking Dead, 
That's the first 48 issues. Those are the good ones. You get the East of West World one-shot, which was, like I said, it was kind of like an encyclopedia, and the first 18 issues of Saga. They have that listed at $333 worth of comics, going to both the publishers and some to charity as well. 18 bucks minimum to get all that. Hell of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm so glad they started doing that because for the longest time it was just games and they're doing that. They're also now doing a lot more of the audiobooks, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. So, yeah, no, definitely support support them. And like you were saying, don't be a jerk. The Whether it goes to the publishers or, or the – um, the charities, they actually just released, and I, I don't have the information because I didn't check the show notes. So I'm not prepared. But they just released not that long ago information about just how many millions they've been able to send to charities since the inception of uh, Humble Bundle. And it's astronomical. It's such a wonderful way to give money to charities. Yeah, definitely. And even if you don't care about charity, which if you don't, what the hell's wrong with you? It's it's a, it's a great value for a consumer. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. Well, like you were sometimes saying, you have to appeal to that part of people. <laughs> even just the the Walking Dead, like for people who have not read those, we've slammed the recent stuff, but that early stuff is among the best comic book reading you will get of the last like what ten years you'd say or more. Yeah, it's, approximately. It is just phenomenal. And if you are someone who liked the TV series for whatever reason you were dropped as a child, you are definitely going to like those first 50 or you said it's 48 issues, but like 48, yeah. even the next one after that would be good as well. It's only once they hit 100 that kind of lost steam. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that early stuff was amazingly good. All right. Well, enough about that because I can no longer contain my excitement <laughs> because it finally happened. Amazing Spider-Man issue 12, the third <laughs> proper part of Spider-Verse. Written by Dan Slott, Giuseppe Comancoli, or art by Giuseppe Comancoli, Cam Smith, and Justin Ponsor. The emissary of hell who shall fight this great evil for the fate of all spiders. Takuya Yamashiro and Leopardon. Better known as the Supida Man. Finally joined Spider-Verse. And, and promptly left Spider-Verse as yeah, well. that was messed up, man. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and it was like, awesome. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the minute long. I heard he was going to be in it, which was months before the series came out, I was like, okay, here's what it's going to be. All the spiders are going to be screwed. There's going to be an unbeatable threat. And then suddenly the giant robot is going to come and punch the enemy in the face. And I'll be damned if that's not what Dan Slott gave me. Yeah. He's my favorite human being on the planet for this. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen it last a little bit longer. But it was that's still just Slot style, man. Pretty damn. Yeah, it's <laughs> give like. Give you what you want and then yank the yeah, rug yeah. out from under you. <laughs> but yeah, pretty awesome. Additionally, a whole bunch of stuff happened in this issue, but who cares? Because <laughs> we got Japanese Spider Man. <laughs> Uh, we get uh, Silk has been hopping around, finally found another dimension where the spiders can be safe. It's irradiated, but, well, since most of the spiders are irradiated, they can kind of get away with that. Uh, and found another version of her prison where she was being kept in Pete's dimension, which 
blocks out the inheritors. And she just finds Uncle Ben, which I guess we kind of had to expect Ben would pop up somewhere in the story. I'm surprised it's taken this long. But yeah, you could that, see how that's it was who a built lot of people thought up. Ben was the old man spider. Right. Yeah, no, I, I figured he'd show up in his own kind of skin, for lack of a better term, and not a, a weird parallel version of Ben, but just Ben. And, and I'm actually, like I said, I'm very surprised that it hasn't happened sooner, but he's been building up to it. Better than that, though, I'm sorry, really, for me at least, reading this was the Spidey Mobile. Oh, my God. I had one that of those. crew Miles is assembling is going to be, that has to be what the, the, the next one-shot issue is, is that crew, yeah. because, oh, my God. Yeah, I had one of those. When I was a kid, I had Spider one. Buggy. I had one, and it threw a net and everything. Well, until the thing broke, but it did throw a net for a little while. But, yeah, I had that thing for years when I was a kid and loved it. Yeah, and then we also got uh, some larger picture stuff with Jess and the Inheritors Dimension. Which was cool, too. Finally meeting with the Weaver and learning about the prophecies. So the central story is unfolding beneath all this epic awesomeness. There's yeah, – and this is what Slot does. I mean there's – as you are reading the event, the pre-event and the edge of the Spider-Verse and then all the one-shots and all the different things and you've got all of these balls in the air – and now some of those balls are starting to collide and you're getting the 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 story unfo- not unfolding but tightening up and coming together with all of these other spiders coming together and all of these other plot elements coming together and it's coming together so beautifully like again let alone the stuff with with Ben but i mean even looking at the fact that they needed a safe place where they could hide he planned this um, this this other version of Silk's captivity chamber just in another universe. And it's like, that's freaking brilliant. I actually didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's brilliant. So, yeah, all of these different things coming together now in a way that makes sense, too. And when you're looking at the scope of the story, how ridiculous it is at points. And like like you're saying, too, with uh, with Spider-Woman in that close to them and, and talking to the, 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 the whatever that – what's the name of that spider that's weaving the threads again? I can't Weaver. remember. Weaver, is it? Okay. Yeah. So all of these um, – these things that are just not to mention the stuff in 2099 going on too, like so many things that are just so ridiculous, but it it's making sense. And at no point are you stopping and going, Oh, come on. Not me. At least I'm not, <laughs> I'm in, I'm just having a blast. Yeah, if you want uh, something funny, look at this issue. Look at Giuseppe Comancoli drawing Jess and then flip over to spider woman number two and look at, Oh God! Don't get Craig Land drawing her in the exact same outfit. Jesus, don't let, don't do that. Let me you. know what's the difference. God, there's some amazing, amazing oh, art God. in here. Like you can tell that they're having a blast with this. They have to be. I mean, again, when you're looking at the shot with all the Spider Men hanging on to the buggy with the horse to the side and the choppers, and you go like, "That had to have been fun to draw." I, I, it just had to have been. And the stuff with the Japanese Spider Man that that two page spread that has him fighting and all the other Spider Man in the background, the arm being ripped off, and you're going like, "Oh my god!" 
It's freaking gorgeous. I love how he wasn't the only Japanese Spider-Man. Like Pete yeah. just swung by a couple of Japans. He <laughs> showed up with him, and there was like a, a black and white manga Spider-Man. And it just—that's just, <laughs> what I love so much. Is not only are they just drawing these characters, they actually feel like they're ripped out of a like a different dimension of perception. Like like we saw with you know sixty Spider-Man and the, the you know the black and white Spider-Man. It's the different art styles that they're having to clash together and making it work is just mind-boggling. I love the Japanese Spider-Man talking to each other too. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> Nobody else can understand. <laughs> but yeah, the manga one is cool. And yeah, so. and yeah, you're right. Like the 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 blending of all the different styles again going back to that one panel where they're all hanging on to the buggy and you can see the different styles for each of them and i mean we've gotten used to to miles because he's been around so long but it is a very distinct style still Mm -hmm. and you can tell the subtle change in how he looks compared to the others not to mention again the the ultimate one and everybody else just hanging on by a thread I cannot praise this enough. This is leaning towards the greatest comic event in history. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Marvel gave us a bunch of number ones last week, so I figured we would take a look at them. We're going to start off with Ant-Man, written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon Rosanas and Jordan Boyd. I liked it, but I don't know if I liked it enough. I, it took me a bit to like it. Yeah. Because initially I'm like, oh, God. Especially because friggin' Iron Man was in it. <laughs> well, there's that. That did not help. Also, really, Iron Man for me, or not Iron Man, sorry, Ant-Man is just like, eh. No, I, I, I'm it's, in agreement. He's yeah. never a character that I'm like, oh, great, an Ant-Man comic. <laughs> and then there's the thing with the, the different Ant-Man and whatever. And for me, though, as I'm reading it, it's like, oh, crap, it's going to be all narrative. And it's like... Too much of that is not good. And then he's just a kind of a weird doofus kind of character as well. So, and then so much of the beginning of this was just a history lesson. So it was like, it took me a while to get into the characters, into the situation. He falls into stereotypes of the evil ex taking the daughter away from him and everything else. And I understand that, yes, that does happen in reality, but it's presented in such a way that it's like, oh, you're just falling on stereotypes here. This is not. I did eventually start to enjoy it more. But to say mm-hmm. that I loved it, no. A, like you said, Iron Man is holding this back in a huge way. Well, thank God it looks like they've kind of written him out after the first issue. Which I liked. (laughs) I kind of liked that. I liked the little... The, 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 the little house that he bought to to stay in kind of thing. I thought that was cute. I, I like the some of the creative stuff yes, we saw exactly. with the Ant-Man powers. Yeah. But am I going to keep reading this? Ooh, maybe for another one or two. But yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll check out another issue, see where they go with it. Yeah. Because honestly, of the three new issues, it's the one I enjoyed the most. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, not, not really a whole lot to say that other than we're interested, but not completely on board yet. Mm-hmm. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number one. <laughs> Written by Ryan North, art by Erica Henderson and Rico Renzi. This was certainly a comic book. <laughs> I don't think we were the target audience. Not even close. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. Because I read this too. And I thought, like, if they, 
if we can enjoy Rocket Raccoon as much as we can, we do, then we this here, if it's written in such a way that's, you know, geared towards our age group or our likes and whatnot, they can make it work. And it's not that it's bad. It's just definitely not written for us as a target audience. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing more I can add to that. I mean, I, I'm sure there's someone out there that's interested in it, but I, I really don't see it having a very long life, unfortunately. See, if like I'm going to be my, my, my granddaughter next come next spring is going to be old enough now that I'm going to be taking her to the comic book store every week and we're going to have some fun. And, uh, and as she gets older and we continue doing this, this would be right up her alley. Sure. I'm quite certain it'll be fun. It's a, a girl superhero that doesn't take herself too seriously. And while well, the comic doesn't take itself seriously, obviously, and all this stuff, it'd be fun to read together. So for a, and not just young female audience, but it's important to have comic books that young female readers can relate to and, and, and have these female superheroes. So, but, whether it's a young female crew or, or, or young boys to read, yeah, they'll enjoy it a lot more. But it was definitely – it's not that kind of comic that's for kids that adults can enjoy, you know, that, that Looney Tunes mentality. It is very much meant for younger audiences. But for them, it's awesome. Just not something I'll read more of. Letter Column was great. <laughs> I didn't – sorry, I didn't actually read it. It's actually pretty funny. Like, you know, it's one of those things where they sent out the address before the comic went out. So people were just like asking general questions. So you had stuff like who could win in a fight? <laughs> Squirrel Girl or Miss Marvel? And the response is, why would they fight? <laughs> that would be the greatest team up ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, was, it was fun there. And finally, Wolverines number one, written by Charles Soule, art by Nick Bradshaw, Allison Borge, Walden Wong, and FCO Placencia. I'm going to hand this off to you because I have no idea what the hell I just read. Well, not something good. <laughs> I, I was able to gather that much. We can agree to that. But this is the culmination of the Project X stuff and everything else. Again, there was the two series that were running at the same time. The one of them was the existing X people that were being held and then you find out later they're being held by the new X people. And that's what that other series was, is the development of those new, well, not so much the development, but their escape of the new people that escaped weapon X and got experimented on and, and whatnot. And you find out that they basically have a shelf life. And they're going to die at some point because the Weapon X people who worked on them, and it wasn't Weapon X, it was somebody else. I can't remember now the name, whatever. Um, but it was at the Weapon X place. Uh, the, the, what's happening is that they experimented on them first because they're basically the dregs of humanity. They're, they're not good people. But they just wanted to experiment on them, refine the whatever abilities they were giving them or whatever so that they could then improve upon them and give them to the people they actually wanted to be their agents. And then those other first ones, again, they put that essentially tick and bomb that they're going to die at a certain point into them. And there you go. So they decide though, that if they, that one of them's super smart kind of guy decides that they could use the existing 
ex people who have been through similar things and who can heal and whatnot and use their DNA or figure some way to use parts of them so that they then can live the new ex people. This complicated enough for you yet? I, I lost you about two paragraphs ago. <laughs> so that's what it is. So then this is now at the end, they decided they were going to go and get Wolverine. They don't really explain why. They don't really explain what they're going to do with a Wolverine-shaped adamantium statue or how they're going to get him out of this. None of that. It's just, we're going to need him. So they all went. And then while they're out looking for him, of course, some other people are there as well that want to get their hands on. Well, actually, they're supposed to be just kind of scavenging and just happen upon him. And all hell breaks loose. And what's his face? Snags him. What's his name again? Sinister, not Sinister. Yeah, Mister Sinister. Sinister, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it was this was on par with the rest of the event. I again, I I really wish that I could have enjoyed this, and I've liked some of Sewell's other work, and it's just that, and I mean, when we're talking target audiences. I'm the target audience here. I read all of the Wolverine stuff. I don't always like it all. I don't have a problem being critical. I'm not a f- damn it. You try. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fanboy that's just going to go in blind. But I do enjoy a good Wolverine story when it's well told. This whole event has been horrible. Those two concurrent uh, series, and now that they're blended into this, I'm sorry. This I did not like this. At all. And I'm thinking you, having not read any of this, were not only lost, but you I can't imagine you like this either. Well, you see, here's the thing. Since this wasn't published under the Death of Wolverine banner, I figured this was going to be like, you know, the start of a new chapter and moving forward after all that stuff. And I get to the first page and it's like an essay. It's like, oh, God. Oh, even then. I <laughs> yeah, w- the, the recap page was a nightmare. <laughs> even then, I even with the recap, I can't imagine that you... I, I, I was able to pick up enough that I was able to go forward, yeah. but it, it doesn't mean I was I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. The, the best part of it was watching the Wrecking Crew beat the hell out of everybody. Because yeah. <laughs> I've always liked the Wrecking Crew as villains, and I felt they've been kind of punked out a lot lately because they are legitimately powerhouses. So it, it was nice to see that treated properly. <laughs> but yeah. aside from that, oh, man. It's, uh, it's bad. I'm not coming back. It's just bad. And there's, I don't know if he is trying to be coy and not giving us all the information, thinking that he can hang onto that in his back pocket and bring it out later on as a surprise kind of thing, or if it's just lazy writing. But again, if you're not explaining things, I I, I keep going back to, go get me the statue of Wolverine, which isn't exactly what he says, but they allude to it and that's why they're there. And it's, this massively heavy, <laughs> let's be honest, Wolverine statue coated in adamantium. Like his body, he wasn't healing. He'd be rotten inside of there by this point. So, and and what they intend to do with this, I don't know. Maybe all the alcohol in his system preserved him. Oh, I, it's just, there's so many things that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. We know at some point they have to fix it, but they're not making it easy on themselves. Definitely not. <laughs> and yeah, just 
the first issue of a new series needing a fill-in artist for a couple pages, never a good look. And I like Nick Bradshaw. I think he's done some great art in the past. This was not among them. It wasn't bad, but it it wasn't great either. It, I've, it's definitely some of the weakest stuff work I've seen out of him. But, I, yeah. I, I've got nothing more yeah. that I should say about this. <laughs> well, how about some comics we have enjoyed? Okay. All right. I'm going to start us off with uh, all new Captain America. Read issue two a couple weeks ago now. And like I said, I really enjoy how they're just throwing Sam into the fire as the new Captain America. Uh, we come to find out he's basically going up against the new Hydra, which is an assembly of all of Cap's greatest villains, if you will. Crossbones, uh, Sin, and uh, led by Baron Zemo. So, I mean, they're, they're throwing him right into the meat grinder and, you know, sink or swim. Well, fly. At least he's flying. <laughs> so he's got that going for him. And there's a point at the end where Zemo starts monologuing. And Zemo is, you know, the quintessential prototypical villain that he's the guy that's going to monologue. As we said so many times, I've got that Incredibles bit mm-hmm. running through the back of my mind. I was like, oh, God, he's monologuing. Here comes – and then he slits the guy's throat. So it is brutal. It is it, – I'm really enjoying it. Two issues in. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how Sam is going to overcome this and that's going to be the most important thing. Cool. Uh, Immortal Iron Fist. I've been keeping up with it. Really liking what they're doing with Danny, uh, how the story has gone that uh, Kun Loon has been destroyed. And Danny has lost his link to Shao Lao the Undying. So he doesn't have his Iron Fist key anymore. So he's basically just a normal dude. It's, you know, he, there was an awesome fight scene where the power is fading and he's punching these guys in armor and breaking his own arms. Like it was, it was brutal and ridiculous. So now he's having to relearn how to fight because, you know, he doesn't have these unbreakable limbs anymore. He can't, you know, fight the way he used to. Kind of like we've seen Iron Fist do for so many other people over the years. Yeah. So it's a cool little twist on that. And his trainer, uh, who was somebody he knew back uh, when he was a kid, it's like, you know, you're a terrible Iron Fist. <laughs> Do you have any idea the last time an Iron Fist actually used his fist? Because, <laughs> you know, when he was first introduced in the 70s, it was awesome kung fu guy. But so many writers have come along since then and expanded the Iron Fist backstory and given us, you know, um, Orson, who had the pistols that channeled his chi through there, or what we've seen in those awesome miniseries of channeling him through various weapons. He's like, you are the most backwards Iron Fist I've ever seen. <laughs> like, just really throwing the entire Iron Fist mythos on its head, I've really enjoyed. And the art continues to be phenomenal. Uh, the latest issue, he was basically going into the underworld and, you know, into a lair of hell. And it was so abstract, like, I don't know how it's playing for a lot of people because it looks completely unlike any other comic out there, but that's what I love about it. It was, it's very striking and continues to be very entertaining as well. Kind of has a manga feel to it with some color added in. Yeah. Uh, also I've been reading uh, deadly class we haven't talked about it a lot. It was the, the series from Rick Remender from image with uh, the kids training to be assassins. And it wasn't until the latest issue that everything finally clicked for me. Like, I was still enjoying it, but like... <laughs> That's how many issues in now? Yeah. No, what's the issue number? Uh, number 10. It shouldn't take in 10 issues no. for it to click. <laughs> I was still liking it, but it's, it's finally when, like, I realized why I was enjoying it so much. Because so much of the story has basically just been, like, a normal teenage 
like coming of age story. You know, kid goes out, parties, you know, gets drunk, has you know, girlfriends and screws up in life, hates his job, his job at a comic book store. <laughs> like it, it, it's, it's very enjoyable because for the last several issues, the whole assassin school thing hasn't even been a plot point. <laughs> so when that finally came back in on top of just, you know, a standard fun yet yeah, teenage coming of age story is when it made sense. He's just telling the standard story in this completely ludicrous setting because you know what? When your girlfriend's ex says he's going to kill you, in this book he means it. <laughs> so now that, you know, he's he, this kid is, you know, gone through all these adventures and whatnot, all this stuff is coming back around to bite him in the butt, but with much heavier consequences than we're used to in a lot of these stories. So I, I don't know. It's I don't know why it took me so long to kind of catch on to what was making it work, but maybe I'm just slow. I'm so far behind on that one. I mean, I'll have to pick them all up and read them. Mm. And the art continues to be very, 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 very good in that comic. Cool. And then finally, the last uh, Valiant comic that I got to was Shadow Man. Really liked this one. Uh, as anybody knows, I'm a big ham, big, big ham. Wow. I'm a big fan of super. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a big fan of supernatural heroes, and that's what this is. You know, this is basically your, you know, Doctor Strange sort of comic for the Valiant universe, and they nail it. Like it, it really gets a lot of those cool supernatural elements and makes it work. What's it called again? (laughs) Shadow Man. Okay, cool. Uh, Jim Zub actually wrote one of the stories in this. Awesome. Um. It's interesting. Like the thing that pisses me off the most about this, the logo they have for the comic, very striking. Looks really cool. Absolutely awful for something to somebody to wear on their superhero costume. <laughs> the icon in the corner of the comic, you know, the stuff on like the the you know the back cover when it's full up, blown side, blown up to huge size, looks great. When he's got it on his chest, looks ridiculous. <laughs> but no, it, it's. If you're into that supernatural side of superhero comics, I found this to be very enjoyable. So, unfortunately, it stopped being published, and he hasn't shown up anywhere else. Oh. So it's an interesting thing that I'm liking about Valiant's approach. They're telling stories, and their stories have beginnings and ends. They're not just going to continue to publish something past you know its shelf life. Like we saw with uh, Harbinger, that story ended, so they stopped publishing it. But they're taking the characters that they established in Harbinger, picking them up. Uh, one of them showed up in Unity recently and just moving them into new places and starting up new stories with the characters that are left instead of just carrying forward something that either should have stopped like we see with so many ongoing comics or no longer resembles what it originally was. So, again, it's it's a publishing mentality that I can really get behind. Yeah, I, actually, that's something we've talked about before. It's It's shown more permanence in that comic book world and i'm all for that all right and i'm uh, out of voice so go <laughs> yeah, ahead. i notice <laughs> did you read the new x-men the um burning world part one by g right. willow wilson oh yes yes i did okay um it was actually pretty good i i i enjoyed it i could have done with less ass from the artists initially there with quite literally anyways but uh <laughs> And and Remy, Remy, we could do without him. But 
I love that he showed up as like this completely douche stereotypical douchebag. I was like, yeah, that's the gambit I can I can get into because yeah. you're supposed to hate him. <laughs> um, but no, this was uh, it's interesting. I'm I'm interested to see where it's going to go. Hell of a way to kick off a new story. Yeah, exactly. And uh, putting her back in that situation that she's fearful of as well. I uh, I thought that was cool as well. I really was not a fan of the artist, but whatever. The 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 issue was good. It wasn't phenomenal. Kind of didn't blow me away, but it was good. So that's it's good enough that I'll read the next one. Yeah. Um Spider-Man 2099 and uh where they're experimenting on one of the dudes that they caught. Mm-hmm. Well not well the dead one they're they're doing their stuff and then the other one's still caged up. So um not like mind-blowing kind of awesome like the stuff in Amazing Spider-Man, but still very good. And the 2099 Punisher, <laughs> I like I him better than the regular one. I love that they have one. not changed his costume. <laughs> that is the same god-awful costume they designed 18 years ago. It's still awful, but I love that they didn't change it. Well, he's got shoulder pads, red shoulder pads. <laughs> his shoulder pads have shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I like the Punisher dude, but uh, and and Lady Spider still is is fantastic. I I, I like her little quips here and there, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, it wasn't anything. Again, it wasn't as good as the other stuff, but it uh, it was still nice to get that uh, the, that it was side a good of the chapter story, the story as well. Exactly, especially because they're bouncing in to the remains of what was left in the quote-unquote safe spot before they left, the other spiders left there. So, again, it's it's important in the story, but uh, anyways, it was, it, was, it, was, it was still enjoyable. The last Hawkeye versus Deadpool. At this point, I read the, the other three. I may as well read this one. And it kind of, again, it, it settled into that zone that that's the Deadpool zone kind of thing that a lot of other people love. It's just not so much for me. So there was some of that. There were still a couple of panels and lines that I went, Oh, that's funny. That's good. You did good there, but far too much where it's like, yeah, this is just typical Deadpool crap that I'm not that fond of. And not just with Deadpool, but with the other people acting like Deadpool. that's also what I dislike about Deadpool comics is that, everybody's a farce of who they normally are. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're getting a regular story where Deadpool is just a part of it. And see, that's what we got like when Reminer was doing, had him. And you had this, everybody is their normal self, but Deadpool's there as well. That was great. But here you're getting a lot of everybody else being, you know, a Deadpool type character. And I was like, eh, it, that that loses its appeal to me pretty fast. Yeah. So that, yeah, it, anyways, I wouldn't recommend it. Although that first issue was great. I did love that first issue. The latest Star-Lord, did you read it? I haven't read that one yet. Okay. It's uh, Kitty Comes and Saves the Day in typical Kitty fashion. So it was fun. It was cool. Nothing mm, fantastic or groundbreaking kind of thing, but it was, it was all right. It was all right. Um, and what's the last one I was going to talk about? Oh, did you read uh, Operation Sin? No. So that's like it, it's something that interested me because I, I like you know it's tying in with the whole Peggy Carter thing, exactly. which by the way, love the series. I haven't watched it, so don't spoil oh, it. Highly recommended. I've got it. But up. 
the opening line of the promo is coming out of the events of original sin. And I'm like, oh, why'd you have to do that? For what? As much, for as, this? I, as much as I liked original sin, I didn't like any of the stuff that came out of it. Yeah, <laughs> so see, like, I, I'll let Roger read it and he can tell me how good it was. I'm not seeing, I haven't read all of the original sin. I read some of it, but not all of it. So when I'm reading this and I, I could see that, you know, they're playing on the original sin stuff. I didn't see original sin in it. So somebody else would most likely, obviously, be able to spot how this plays into that, but I couldn't, so I was fine with that. The the story is, you know, I can get behind this kick-ass agent kind of thing. I like that, and I, I and there's other elements of this story that are that are fun. But I mean, Stark sends a freaking team of soldiers to go and capture her. She doesn't know who they are, so she defends. She's blowing these guys up, killing them. And then when she goes to see Stark, Stark's father, of course, our Stark's, <laughs> our, our Stark's father, um, Howard Stark, it's like he's making a big game out of this. Oh, I just setting them over so that, you know, to get you interested in this. And, and she is like agreeing, without agreeing, like coyly, like, okay, whatever. And I'm going like, you killed some soldiers, threw a bomb on one of them, and it's all just this big game. And it was like, it, it, it just came off wrong. It just, mm-hmm. it, like, I don't know. And there was a bunch of that here and there that it was like, uh, just, it doesn't, if you're going to write a spy story, then write it as seriously as you can as believable as a spy story can be this here what we're seeing even though like yeah sure there's aliens crap and whatnot but i mean as believable as you can make a marvel spy story which is pretty extravagant but sending over a hit squad kind of thing of soldiers to get her not so much believable and that's at the very very beginning so it was right from the get-go you're like this just I'm sorry, I can't get behind this. It's just somewhat stupid. Mm. So, and uh, that'll do it for me, I guess. All right, then. For this week's new releases, Marvel has a whole bunch of stuff coming out this week. The The short list, believe it or not, is all new Captain America number three, all new Ghost Rider number 10, Amazing X-Men number 15, kicking off a story arc I'm very interested in. We have Avengers number 40. Captain Marvel number 11, Deadpool number 40, S.H.I.E.L.D. number 2, Spider-Verse number 2, finally getting the long-awaited Star Wars number 1 from Marvel, Wolverines number 2, enjoy that one, Raj, and X-Force number 14. Thankfully, uh, it's kind of a light week for everybody else. DC is bringing us Batgirl number 38 and Batman Eternal number 41. From Image, we have Rat Queen special, Braga number 1. Very interesting minor character that's getting a one-shot issue. And then from Valiant, we have the death-defying Dr. Mirage number five wrapping up that miniseries. That's it this week, guys. So you have 10,000 things from Marvel and a couple really good things from a few other guys. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com. As a reminder, popcornronin.com. We still have the Guardians of the Galaxy commentary for you guys to check out. And, uh, well, maybe you might not want to listen to the next episode. (laughs) It's going to be fun for you. We had to watch the damn thing. <laughs> well, it ties in with prior episode of this show. So sure. It's all good. Yeah. We'll, we'll announce it next week. Don't recommend it. Though. 
But anyway, that's going to finish us here. uh, And we'll see everybody next week. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. <laughs> <laughs>